Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This episode is episode 305, and we're talking about Alcalá de Henares in Spain. This episode is sponsored by Performance Foundry at PerformanceFoundry.com. Performance Foundry is one of my companies, and we do specialized business and enterprise-level WordPress sites for clients around the world. So today we're going to be talking about Alcalá de Henares, where we spent 10 months of last year, from the beginning of September until the end of June. And we were there so I could do my master's degree, but we'll tell you a bit more about that later on. Let's start by talking about what we're up to at the moment. Sure. Well, we're in a little place that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> it's called Aundel, and it is in, um, well, near Petersburg in England. So if you imagine a, a line between, say, London and Edinburgh, and put yourself about one third of the way up that line, that's where we are. Yeah, Craig posted a photo on Facebook the other day that was a photo of the, oh, it's a map of the UK. And I think London, Edinburgh and Liverpool were mapped. And uh, we were in the middle of nowhere, nowhere near anything. So that was quite funny. It's a lovely little town. I think about 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's, I don't know, a large town. But it's surrounded by 40 different villages. And each village has anywhere between about 10 and a, a couple of hundred houses and one to I three pubs. Some, I think some of them are a bit bigger than that. But yeah, Aundel is the, the main center for these 40, 41, 42 villages. So yeah. that's quite funny to think of this small town as the the main center for all of these tiny places. It's quite famous uh, in the UK and in education circles. It's got the third most prestigious uh, secondary school in the country. And I think this year I read in the paper that something like 10 or 15% of their uh, departing seniors are off to either Cambridge or Oxford University. Yeah, they have a very, very high rate of A, I think it's A stars they call them here. So yeah, the school is doing really well. At the moment, there are no kids at school, so the town is quite quiet. But apparently they're going back to school soon, so the town will get a lot more busy. But it's not all uh, school and high street. We've been to uh, one wine festival and one beer festival so far. We've wandered out to a couple of the villages, stopping in a pub or two, and uh, did a walking tour of the town with Barbara Matthews, booked through the local library, which was really interesting. Yeah, let's hear a little bit from Barbara Matthews now of medieval buildings some of the bit behind it are much older and you can always tell sometimes by the roof and there's a date up at the top there i think it's a 1640 and also we found some writing on you could faint writing below the dormer window there but as you can tell you tell by the signage that it's part of Aundel school a new house is in fact a girls boarding school so yeah, we've really enjoyed our time in Andal so far. We've we've had the benefit of getting to know the neighbours across the road who are our age, and yeah, they were the ones who took us to the beer festival, which is in a town called Old. Actually, OLD. It's quite a funny name. I'm not sure why it's called Old, but we like the beer anyway. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to spending more time here. Absolutely, we'll be here for about another month before we head off down to Moldova, Ukraine, uh, maybe Bulgaria. All on the list. Yeah, so if you happen to be in or near Arundel, please get in touch with us and maybe we can meet up for a beer or a coffee or something like that. That would be fun. Well, today we're talking about another small town, uh, but one that's significantly bigger than Arundel and one that's actually classified as a city. Classified as a city? It's classified, yeah. 200,000 people. Okay, it's a, a pretty, city. It's definitely a city. It kind of pales in comparison because it's only about 35 kilometers from Madrid, which is obviously 
a very large city. It's and still Madrid's a city. technically only a village according to its town charter. That's right, yeah. So Alcalá is a city and Madrid isn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go figure that one out. Well, during the show, you'll hear some clips that we record in Alcalá, including some bird song and some music from the Easter processions. All right, well, let's get into it. First of all, let's talk about why. Why do we go to Alcalá? I have no idea. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. It's your fault. That's right. I decided that I wanted to do a master's degree and I found a program uh, that was in Alcalá de Henares. And I wasn't too sure about it because, you know, we decided that we didn't really want to live in a city that wasn't near the sea because as Aucklanders, we're always near the sea. But it was such a good deal. It was a free program. And uh, as part of my, my studies, I had to work and I get a stipend. So I'd be able to live off of the program. I'd be able to work and study, get a master's degree, and everything would be wonderful. But it was in Alcalá de Henares, which is just about as far from the sea as is possible in Spain. Yeah, if you take Spain and Portugal and drop a pin in the middle, you'll find Madrid near there. And about 50, 100 kilometers outside of there, you'll find Alcalá. Yeah, so you're really far away from the sea. But we decided to do it. And we, we showed up with a slight sense of trepidation, thinking, oh, my goodness, we're here for 10 months. Yeah. Which is and- going to be the longest time we've spent in one place, well, since 2006. Yeah, and I hadn't even kind of looked it up or found out anything about it because we had to go there. So I was just like, that's where we're going. So I'll find out when I get there. So we showed up and we'd booked in accommodation for a month through Airbnb. And that was fine. It was a bit loud because there was a a festival going on. But we showed up. Oh, no, a festival. (laughs) Although we did arrive after kind of 40 hours of, of transit. And it was so loud and so hot. It wasn't the best introduction. But anyway, the next day we wandered around the town and it was just stunning. Really, really beautiful town. We didn't know, but it's UNESCO World Heritage listed. A lot of the buildings have been around for 500 years or more. It was one of the first universities in in Europe and in the world. And it's just so pretty. Yeah, it's a town that's always had, or an area, let's say, that's always had a human population there. So they've got Bronze Age uh, ruins and artifacts in the Archaeological Museum from just meters away from where the Archaeological Museum stands. And so it's always been a place where people have lived. And then we've got the, the Roman ruins, and there's a lot of Roman ruins that are just outside the main part of the town now, about a 10-minute walk from the center maybe 15, Mm. and uh, there's lots and lots of medieval architecture and uh, Renaissance architecture right throughout the the place where people are now living and working. It's also um, the birthplace of Cervantes, who is the most well-known Spanish author. So he's the equivalent of Shakespeare. He wrote a book called uh, Don Quixote, and you'll see references to this book all over the city and actually all over Spain. It's it's really, really popular. One of my favorite things in in Alcala is an old theater, which is similar to Shakespeare's Globe. It's uh, it's called the Corral de Comedias, and it was built in around the same time as the Globe. So it's this circular theater. It's got wooden pillars. It's just amazing. I went to see a, a film there and actually went to see a couple of plays. and It was just really, imag- really magic. So you can imagine plays being put on there in Shakespeare's time. Yeah, it was absolutely wonderful going there. I remember going in the first time and I was just kind of amazed. I didn't know what quite what to expect. I've probably built it up too much now and it's going to be underwhelming. <laughs> but uh, we went in first as part of a guided tour and then went in a couple of other times. And just seeing some of the, the old stuff, like the medieval well that was in there, yeah. that they kind of 
partly built the theatre around and yeah, it was really cool. Alcala's also home to, wait for it, you won't believe this, the longest porticoed street in Europe. And I, think I know everyone's just dropping I, everything. I They're going to run. <laughs> they are, aren't they? Um, and while that's one of those crazy things that the tourism board just chucks in there, it's actually a really pleasant place to wander of an evening. In Spain, it's very common in the evening for everyone to come out into the main square. And in Alcala, that's the square of Cervantes. Yeah, Plaza de Cervantes. You might have guessed. Mm. Um, but this uh, long street, the main street, which is all pedestrianized and all porticoed, links that square with the one outside the cathedral. And that walk there is full of uh, ice cream bars, cafes, bars, and yeah, just links these two kind of main meeting points. Yeah, so it's, it's quite nice. It's pedestrianized. So you've got the, the central part, which is just open. And then on either side, there are these porticos. So that basically means that the upper floor or the first floor covers over the walkway. So for a lot of the way, if it's raining, you're actually going to stay dry, which is very nice. So a lot of people pop out from Madrid. It's only about 40 minutes by train. And they come out for the day or for a long weekend into Alcalá to see the architecture, enjoy the quieter old town feel. But they also come for the food. What What is it about the food in Alcalá as opposed to Madrid, which is one of the culinary capitals of Europe? Well, one of the things about Alcalá is that you get free tapas, which is common in other parts of Spain, for example, in the south, but not common in Madrid at all. So you order a drink and you get a free a free tapa. Some bars just give you a tapa, whatever they've made. Some of them you've got a menu and you get to choose whichever you like. Some of them you actually have to pay extra, so you pay less for your drink and you pay a euro for your tapa or something like that. But uh, yeah, the tapas are really good quality and delicious. So we thought we might talk about some of our favorite places to go because what we did most in Alcala was go out for tapas. <laughs> yeah. The first on the list is probably my least favorite in terms of food, but one of my favorites in terms of atmosphere. It's called Indolo. And Indolo's actually opened up a second branch in central Madrid now. So there's a chance to check that out. Indolo's a long, narrow restaurant, which is quite often standing room only or queuing up for a table kind of space. It has uh, good beer, average but very tasty house wine, and a beautiful picture menu to make it really easy to choose your tapa. Yeah, we often picked chipperonis, which is uh, baby squid, which, oh, I don't know, it sounds a bit scary, but they're really delicious. Okay, another one of our favorites is El Quinto Tapon, which means the fifth big tapa. Because a tapa, the, the meaning of the word tapa is like a top or a lid to put over a glass. And uh, tapon doesn't mean like a small thing. It means a, a big one. So the on ending makes it quite large. So they're trying to say that their tapas aren't just little, they're big. And that you should have at least five of them. I'm sure that's what that <laughs> means. I'm sure that's what that means. It might be. It might be. So they have, it's quite fun. It's like an eclectic collection of chairs. There's a, a bathtub chair and there's a a skateboard chair, and there's all sorts of really great things. Uh, it's quite often full as well. And the menu is really, really, really big. They've got tapas from all different places around the world, including the States and South America, and lots of Mexican ones, as well as your Spanish standards like uh, tortilla española, one of my favorites. One of my favorite things was the solomillo, which is a cut of pork, and it came with uh, caramelized balsamic and little bits of, what was that crunchy stuff? I think it was caramelized onion. Yeah, I can't onion. remember. Um, but yeah, it was so tasty. Uh, just around the corner from Indolo, which we were talking about earlier, is La Taberna de Rusti, 
which is probably our favorite one. I mean, that's the one we went to most often. I quite often went after my classes on Friday night with uh, all of my classmates. In this case, the tapas are priced individually. You buy your drink and you buy your tapas separately, which is good because it means you can order a whole bunch of tapas. You don't just have to get one drink and one tapa. So we'd quite often get two or three each. The Solomio here is really good as well. And um, yeah, the wine list is okay, but not as good as Noah, which is just a couple of hundred meters away. But it's a specialist wine bar with a gin club. And by gin club, they mean they have over a hundred different gins behind the bar and they match them all with uh, different tonic waters. At Noah, tapas are free, but you don't get to choose. And we found that availability of tapas was a little bit eclectic. Yeah, it depended if the uh, the kitchen staff were inside working or outside having a smoke. Yeah, I think yeah. that's <laughs> that decided on whether you got a tapa or not. Another place where you buy your tapas separately is El Gato de Tres Patas, or the Cat with Three Paws. And it's it's not quite in the center of town. It's maybe about a 10, 15-minute walk away. The tapas cost 80 cents when you buy a drink, and there are some great craft beers on offer, which we really enjoyed. One thing we loved about El Gato is that they had a whole bunch of board games you could play, including really modern board games like uh, Settlers of Catan. And what else did we play there? We played all sorts of things. Oh, yeah, heaps of stuff. And, uh, yeah, but El Gato is uh, one of my favorite places for quality of food, friendliness of staff, mm-hmm. and price ratio, and the best beer selection in a place that wasn't uh, kind of ridiculous, oh, yes, we're a beer bar yes. kind no, of way. It was really nice, great atmosphere. Uh, one more, and this is for those that have a sweet tooth, uh, Metropolis or Metropoli. That's the place to go for chocolate con churros. So if you like churros, this is the place to go. I think it's two fifty for a cup of hot chocolate, but not hot chocolate like you think of it, like really thick, dense chocolate, and you get five churros as well. You can also order extra churros if you want. You can go there any time of day. Spanish people tend to go for breakfast or morning tea. We could often went at night, but unfortunately they close at 10 p.m., which was always very frustrating for yeah, us. That's pretty much dinner time. How do yeah. you have dessert at dinner time? I just don't think people think of churros as dessert. I think that was the problem. No, it's definitely a, a breakfast and post-hangover food. Mm. Well, we've already mentioned in brief a lot of the things to see and do, because Alcalar, while historical and beautiful, doesn't actually have a lot going on, unless you're living there and joining in with the community things, like Mm -hmm. little wine festivals and film festivals and theatre festivals and things like that were happening constantly. They also have quite big festivals, like the Medieval Festival, which runs over a whole week. It's the biggest medieval festival in Europe. And the whole city is full of medieval stalls, including the Calle Mayor, all of the the plazas, Plaza de Cervantes and the plaza outside the university, filled with all these stalls selling, you know, bits and pieces. I bought some honey. You know, you can get medieval costumes, but you can also just get your standard sweets and things like that. It was a really nice mix of your typical market tat, but with kind of a steampunk medieval <laughs> leather leather look to it, and lots of uh, fantastic rustic food, you know, simple grilled meat and uh, things like that. We also really enjoyed the Easter processions. We talked about that in a previous podcast, but uh, it's a great place to go if you want to celebrate Easter in Spain, because they have a procession almost every day of Semana Santa, and uh, you can definitely make sure you see a procession or seven.
one of the things that really makes the town is the university. And the university buildings probably make up a third of the, the center of the town. Mm, probably. Most of them have really impressive facades and uh, beautiful architecture inside. Some of them have been stripped out and modernized. Some of them are very much 80s classroom kind of <laughs> looks. Uh, but some of them, especially those attached directly to a church, are really pretty. All right, well, let's start in the Plaza de Cervantes and work our way around the city a little bit. So the Plaza de Cervantes is quite a large square. It's got a road that goes around the outside of it, but then around the outside are lots of buildings, including the Corral de Comerias, which we talked about earlier. At one end, you've got um, an old church, which was bombed out during the Civil War, and all that remains of it is one little kind of chapel and the bell tower. So you end up with this kind of little plaza, which is open air, but it's the inside of a church, which is quite cool. You can go up the bell tower, but we never managed to do it. After 10 months, you'd think we'd have managed it, but it's just quite difficult. You have to go to the tourist office, which is just around the corner, and get a ticket, and it's only open on certain times, and yeah, we didn't manage. You could. We failed. Also in that little chapel, there's a an exhibition about Cervantes, so it's a good place to start if you want to know a little bit about Cervantes. There's two sections. One section is permanent and the other section is always changing. So at one point there was art about Cervantes. Another one was all about the movies that were made about his work. It was quite cool. The thing that amazed me there was the movie poster for the Spanish Shrek movie called Donkey Oti <laughs> that starred Donkey as, as the noble steed of Don Quixote. It just, it just I, makes I, me sigh. I, I still have that on my one day I'm going to find this and watch this mm. list. Yeah, Donkey Oti. It's just amazing. It's a Shrek-like pun, if there ever was one. Yeah. I wonder how they're going to translate that into Spanish, though. It won't work. Well, in uh, the Plaza de Cervantes is also the Corral de Comedias, the theatre that we spoke about earlier. And uh, from there, Calle Mayor leads down to the cathedral. But we also need to talk about the um, Plaza de San Diego. So if you're standing in the Plaza de Cervantes uh, and looking towards the church that we just talked about. On your right, you'll have the Corral de Comedias, and on your left, there's a little alleyway that leads to another square, which is the Plaza de San Diego. And that's where the main university building is. So it's quite stunning. You'll definitely want to see it. Also, the uh, university library is there, and there are lots of little statues and various things. There's a convent where you can buy almonds, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just a nice place to walk around. From there, you can walk back into the Plaza de Cervantes and then turn left down the Calle Mayor. A couple of brief food stops before we go. The best coffee in Alcala is directly opposite the facade of the university at the San Diego Coffee Coffee Corner. Yes, San Diego Coffee Corner. At the top end of the uh, Plaza de Cervantes is an artisanal ice cream place, which has locally made ice creams that are delicious. So you can grab a coffee, then grab an ice cream to keep walking down Calle Mayor. Yeah, and as you walk along Calle Mayor, you'll see a lot of different restaurants and, and bars where you can stop for a tapa if you like. Eventually, you'll get to a cross street, and on the corner, there is Cervantes' birth house. Now, Cervantes wasn't actually born in this house. It's a reconstruction. But from all the records they can get, it seems like he was actually born in that location. Oh, it's free to go in, so you can go in and walk around. Outside the house, there's a, a bench with two statues sitting on it. And those statues represent Don Quixote and his psychic Sancho Panza. So if you want a bit of a tacky photo, well. Everyone else will be standing there for one. You've got to do it. One thing I really like about Kaya Mayor is there's a lot of buskers 
busking along there, and they're often really good quality. There's a lovely couple who do um, puppets, and they're really fun. So they'll set up, and they'll eventually get a, a crowd of small children sitting around with wide open eyes, admiring it. So that's really nice. At the end of Kaima, you're, you'll hit the cathedral, uh, well, the cathedral square with the cathedral on your left. The cathedral is not overly impressive archaeologically, and it's reasonably modern, but it is, well, reasonably in European timescales, uh, but it is the the home to the cult of two saints, the holy children. Yeah, Los Santos Niños. So that's the uh, the reason for the importance of the cathedral. And you can go down and uh, see the crypt for a euro or two. At the top end of the square, there's a bar called Tempranillo, which is one of the nicer wine bars in town. But keep keep walking. <laughs> Linda's looking at me like we're not stopping for a drink. Okay, so you, you can keep... stop for a drink. But every t- every time we went there, I really wanted an Amontillado sherry, and they never had it. It was on the menu, and it just disappointed me every time. They do. They were very nice, though. They kept saying, okay, I'm sorry we don't have the Amontillado, but why don't you try this one, and why don't you try this one? And on the third one, I always kind of said, okay, I'll, I'll have this one. It's fine. So the, the customer service was great, but lack of sherry just made me sad. So anyway, keep walking in the direction you were coming from along Cayamayor, past Tempranillo, and eventually you'll hit the gates to Madrid. So this is the Puerta de Madrid, and uh, if you're in Madrid near Retiro Park, you'll see the very famous Puerta de Alcalá, which is the gate to Alcalá. So these two things used to connect. Yeah, neither of them actually protect anything. They're just freestanding gates now. So you see this kind of archway and you think, oh, yeah, that's a really effective gate. <laughs> but it's funny to think of them connecting because now you wouldn't follow that road. Well, you might, but you wouldn't go through the archway. You can't go through the archway in, in, in Madrid anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's quite fun. So do an almost 180-degree turn to your right, and you can follow one of the interior medieval walls along until you get to the Archaeological Museum, which is in a pretty square. Now, the Archaeological Museum's great, but if you turn 180 degrees, you'll find yourself looking at a kind of bishop's castle. Now, this is where the Catholic king and queen gave the first interview to Christopher Columbus. So this is where everything kicked off with Columbus taking Spanish ships to uh, go and try and find the New World. Yeah, so Alcala really does have a lot of history. It's quite dense for history, I'd say. So if you're interested in history, highly recommended that you go there. Well, we've talked about the uh, the two best times of year to go there, which are for the festivals, for Easter, where they have a whole lot of pageantry and very traditional processions around the town, and then the medieval markets. But the other good time to go there is basically eight-twelfths of the year when all of the storks are in Alcala. Yeah, it was quite cool. Craig had heard that there were going to be storks, and when we arrived, there weren't any. He was really upset. He said, I can see the storks' nests. I read about it on Wikipedia. There are supposed to be storks. There were no storks. Where are my storks? The next day, or maybe two days later, the storks arrived. And the whole city was covered in them. It's really great because the town council maintains the nests so that the storks are encouraged to come back. And, yeah, it's just really nice. You look up and you see a stork flying overhead. It's lovely. Yeah, it's just those couple of hottest months when they all disappear. So basically if the the kids are on summer holiday, your chances of seeing a stork have dropped dramatically. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to a few practical considerations. If you're planning on staying in Alcala, of course, you can just come for a day trip. And 
to tell you the truth, there is probably the right amount of stuff to do to come up on from a day trip from Madrid. Mm. Come for lunch, leave after you've finished tapiandoing your way through all of the bars and get on the last train back to Madrid. Yeah, so you can definitely come up on a day trip, but it might also be a good idea if you want a bit of relaxation to, instead of staying in Madrid, stay in Alcala and do a day trip down to Madrid. We'd highly recommend that. But uh, there are lots of options for accommodation. We chose to stay with Airbnb. There were quite a lot of Airbnb options. Uh, you could try couch surfing. There are a few couch surfing hosts around. We didn't do it this time, but there are certainly a lot of profiles in Alcala. Or you could go a bit more upmarket. Uh, the place that my parents chose to stay was called El Bedel, and that is directly in front of the main university facade. It's got a, a pretty good restaurant, and it had very comfortable rooms, although a bit old-fashioned. Uh, that came in at around 60 euros a night. The other main option under consideration was the Parador, and the Parador's a chain of hotels right throughout Spain. And they come from old monasteries mainly, yeah, old seminaries that have been converted into luxury five-star, five-star plus hotels. Yeah, they're all housed in really amazing buildings, kind of listed buildings. And so the Parador was about double the cost and was about 50 meters away. So when looking at the, when looking at the two and, and looking at comfort, the, uh, the choice was made to go with El Bedel and spend the extra 50 on food and drink every day. But then again, if you want to stay in a Parador one time when you're in Spain, then this might be a good option because it's not very expensive in comparison with other ones. That's right. Now, to get there from Madrid, there's a bus or a train. Uh, the Circanias lines run out there about every 20 minutes, line 2 and 7 for 360 each way. You can get on a bus directly from the main Bajaras airport. That's 361 way. It's bus 824. And so that made a really good place for us as yeah. we were, well, I mainly was jumping off overseas every few weeks to go to a conference or something like that. Uh, you could bus directly from the airport into Alcala. Yeah, we found that really convenient. We didn't know about it at the time, but it was just so great. You get off your flight, you hop on the bus, and you're, it, it takes the same amount of time to get to Alcala as it does to get to Madrid. So if you are looking at coming to Alcala, it might be a good option to go there first and then go on to, go on to Madrid. Yeah, of course, you can connect to the rest of Spain through Madrid, uh, either the airport or the high-speed trains. Mm -hmm. And then, um, well, the airport's right there. So jump to anywhere in Europe, lots of flights through to America, and especially South and Central America, and uh, into Asia. Yeah, right. so there are lots of options. It's certainly not difficult to get to. No, certainly not. So that was Alcalá de Henares, hopefully an interesting look at a small place and it's whetted your appetite for a, a day trip or a, an escape from Madrid. I highly recommend it. We really enjoyed our time there, which was surprising because, as we said, there was no sea at all. And the river, well, we actually lived near the river, but it's not very present in the town. You have to kind of walk out to it. So, uh, yeah, excellent. Well, what's next for us? Well, we're going to be here in Andal for another four weeks, I think. From there, we've got two days in London before we fly to Moldova. We need to start booking accommodation, things like that. Mm. And uh, we'll probably spend a week or so in Ukraine. We've got a couple of weeks we were not too sure about. Then we're back in London, and then we fly to Mexico. We were thinking about doing a meetup in London. Uh, that will be the last week of o October. So if anyone's interested in meeting up with us, just send us an email, mail at com. 
We'd also really like to hear from you because, as you know, we've kind of had the podcast on hiatus for a year while I was doing my master's. Blame Alcaladian Aries. But uh, we're starting. (laughs) So as you know, we're starting again and we've been pretty good. We're getting on the two week schedule. It's, It's going well. But we'd really like to hear from you guys, our audience. Uh, what do you want to hear? What do you enjoy about the show? What do you want us to change? What do you want more of? Do you want to know more about destinations that we've been or other destinations? Do you like interviews? Do you like practical tips? Uh, like what to pack and transport options? Please get in touch with us because we really value your feedback. You can also send us an audio file if you want to hear your own dulcet tones on the podcast. Uh, we'll consider it depending on the audio quality. So please get in touch with us, mail at IndieTravelPodcast.com, or you can leave a comment on the show notes or get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter, which is at IndieTravel. This week's show has been sponsored by Performance Foundry at PerformanceFoundry.com. This is my company, and if you're looking to have a business website made, improved, sped up, or made more profitable, drop us a line through PerformanceFoundry.com. Well, that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.